0: praise to the Lord, musicians, and turning our hearts now and preparing them for God's word in the gospel for today, in in the gospel of Mark, chapter 3, starting in the 20th verse. I'll invite you to stand for the reading. Then he went home, Jesus, and the crowd gathered again. So that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him. For they were saying, he is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub. And by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom... The children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside they sent to him and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you, and he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. This past week, in both morning and evening sessions, we learned and our boys and girls in Vacation Bible School learned About the victory that we have in Christ. Each day I would ask the children, Who's going to win? We had a little cheer going on. Who's going to win? Well, let me let you listen to our evening VBS session as those kids replied to that question. And so. As you heard, I, I, you can listen to the morning session, but you can't understand it as well as the evening session. <laughs> but the uh, God always wins was their reply, and it was our cheer all week long. But what does this mean? It's the power of God for sure. But is it just the power of positive thinking? No. Is it a positive attitude? No. What does it mean then? How can this be true when the world is broken around us? When our hearts are broken? When your team loses or your candidate loses? Or when your friend drops you? Or maybe you absolutely blow it. When how you feel doesn't match with what you know the Bible says is true. That God always wins I submit that part of our confusion about this and part of what troubles us is that we sometimes falsely assume that what God always wins means is that it always goes our way but you and I know it doesn't Today as we listen to Paul describe what it means to be a Christian in the midst of suffering in 2 Corinthians. The word is distinguishing a difference between what we crave, what we cave on, and what we confess. And by the way, we aren't the only ones to get this Confused. The occasion of the letter of 2 Corinthians was Paul's defense against his critics who said he talked about suffering way too much. And how could, after all, he be a true Christian with the Spirit of God in him if he suffered all so much? Even though Jesus Himself told us we would carry a cross. So when we understand... Just who it is Christ is, and we understand what He has called us to, and the identity that He has given us, we won't confuse craving and caving and confessing. Then you too, even with the awareness of how broken the world is, or how sometimes broken we are in our own lives and our own hearts. We can understand, even in the midst of all of that, what Christ has done, who He is and who He's called us to be, so we too, yes, we too, with our children can confess, God always wins. Let's begin by understanding this. Crave this craving that we have. In our false human idolatries, we often, and it's popular to believe these days, that if we crave it, that must mean that's who we are. Now this is a double-edged sword. If we believe that, on one edge, it leads us to ignore God's clear commands for what's right and how we are to live. On the other edge, we miss God's grace because we think, oh, because I crave this, I must not be a Christian. What we have to understand, and I like how one pastor put it, is we have a choice between being under the word of God or putting ourselves over it. I submit that as we put ourselves under the word of God today, it puts our cravings in their proper place. Let me say it clearly. Just because you crave it doesn't make it right or make that who you are. And just because we crave for it doesn't mean we're apart from Christ. Luther would preach about this frequently as he examined the scriptures. In Latin, he'd call it justus et a peccator, or simultaneously saint and sinner. As God imputes his righteousness, as Jesus imputes his righteousness on us, he makes us saints. But while we walk as yet by faith Here on this earth, we still struggle with sin. We are simultaneously saint and sinner. So where do we begin in the midst of this duality? Well, our own Dr. George Mudeking, who went to be with the Lord on Easter Sunday in 2014, would write about it. He talked about why Luther began the small catechism with the Ten Commandments describing our faith in Christ and needing the Word, His commands to lead us and guide us. First, to show us how to live. And second, to show us that we don't measure up and that we need the Gospel. And so when we understand this Word of God working on us to do those two things, then we know God always wins because of who Christ is. And this, not our craving, shapes our identity. Paul gives us a fantastic image of living like this in the image of humanity as clay pots. Now we find pieces of these broken clay pots that he's speaking of in all kinds of archaeological digs all over Israel from the first century. Paul is basically talking about, as I like how one commentator put it, the fast food wear of his day. What a word for the church today. I like how one writer put it, with our human idolatries and our exaltations of human beings, the power of the gospel comes in our weakness, not in our strength, not in our greatness, but in the fact that we are clay pots. Did you catch? These were cracked pots. Paul's calling us crack pots. So our cravings, Rightly understood then in light of God's commandments and in light of God's grace is that the word comes to us, his righteousness comes to us, not in our strength, not in our success, not in our power, but in our weakness and fills up these clay pots with the power of the gospel. And that reminds us that our cravings don't define us. Jesus does. And that's why we're led to not fall into the trap of caving into them. We cave into our brokenness. We cave into our cravings. Outside of the gospel, we believe this false identity. We think that all we are are cracked pots. We don't realize that the power of the gospel fills us up with God's promise. Paul wrote about this struggle in Romans 7 when he says, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. He says, what a wretched man I am. But then he remembers the gospel as he begins chapter 8 and says, but thanks be to God in Christ Jesus for the free gift of eternal life. He fills up these cracked pots, these earthling vessels with the good news of the gospel. The solution isn't to cave in and separate ourselves from the love from God or to think that caving in will separate us. There is redemption for those who come to Christ. Those who love Him do what He commands to be sure. But when we fall down when we cave in. When our weakness takes over, we're reminded to call upon God's redemptive power again. When we cave into the crave and celebrate it though, we miss out. We miss out in so many ways when we just celebrate that craving and that caving. Because we miss out on the gospel that God wants to pour in To us, God wants to redeem us. And when He fills us with the gospel, we may be pressed, as Paul would write, but not crushed. That pressing comes from the outside, to be sure, and the pressures of the world around us, and it comes from within. And when we live a life of craving and caving, it doesn't become a crushing blow because those, those gods will never satisfy. They'll always ultimately fail us. We see it in the world around us. We see it in ourselves. The crushing blow of suicide has impacted our community in Albuquerque all too often this past year. And once again this week, we receive heartbreaking news of celebrities who were crushed. As we walk the road of this gospel promise, we need to be bearers of hope to all those around us. As one who's walked the road of depression in my own life, I can tell you all of us need the bold love of those bearing the name of Christ to not simply tell us to try harder but to tell us in our weakness, Christ will fill us up. In our cracked, human, frail nature, in our weakness, in our emptiness, the gospel comes. That there is true hope, not because of us, but because of what Christ has done. Our cravings don't define us. Affirming them and caving doesn't solve it. So, what do we do? How then can we truly proclaim that God always wins? And that leads us to what we confess. Thanks be to God, as Paul wrote in Romans. For God has done what the law, as He writes, weakened by our flesh could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for a condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, catch this, who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Not my power, but the Spirit's transforming power of the gospel filling this earthly vessel. Our identity then is found in our baptism where Christ claims us as children of God. In our confession each week in the Apostles' Creed, we put ourselves under the word, under the lordship of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's whose we are and who we are when we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive us because of His promised Word. And so we walk no longer in the flesh, but by the power of the Spirit to follow God's commands. Our confession begins with God's Word and leads us to walk according to the Spirit. That's where hope is found. Paul will explain to those who think that crackpots that suffer may be a sign of our weakness and an absence of God will actually let us know that that's actually where grace abounds. These throwaway pots, that's you and me, because what we deserve for our sin is to be thrown away but God has a different plan instead in Christ Jesus when we call on his name when we seek his redemption when we allow that to be our identity we are made being made into the image of God stunning unmistakable works of art As he writes in our text today in verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. To quote Ket Hughes, he wrote, the equation for power is my weakness plus God's power equals God's power. So let's review these words of hope one more time. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. The confessional life isn't easy, it's not pain free. We are called to follow God's commands in every way, but this world cannot ultimately defeat us. Now, next verse perplexed, but not driven. To despair. We might be completely baffled by what life brings us. But our inability to understand it does not negate the promise or our hope. Then we're told this persecuted, but not forsaken. Just because we are attacked doesn't mean God doesn't have our back. Persecution does not mean he abandons his chosen vessels. In 1 Peter it says, if you're reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. We may be attacked for standing on his word instead of craving or cavings. But he will not abandon us. And Paul writes, "Struck down, but not destroyed." I like how Dr. Merrill Tenney renders this idea. He writes, "Knocked down, but not knocked out." The first martyr Stephen, who died for his faith, knew this even when he was being killed for it. He knew that God was not knocking him out, but that he would be received into the arms of God's glory. Incredible strength, one author writes, in the midst of total weakness. When our identity is anchored in Christ, we are not defined by what we crave, or even if we cave. We are invited to live not according to our flesh, but now by the power of God according to the Spirit, whose power gives us new life a new confessional life in Christ. As Paul will go on to write in verse 16, so that we do not lose heart. Hear this promise again. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So even in this broken world, we can still cry, God always wins. Amen.